Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's welcome those that are watching us online. Let's just take three seconds to give God a little bit of praise and lift the room. It's cold outside, but it's hot in church. Awesome. What a day to be in church. Go ahead and grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Phenomenal as always. We maybe got a snow day tomorrow. Because of all this distance learning stuff, snow days have been ruined for children for forever. But back in the day, that was the greatest day of my life. A snow day. Maybe so tomorrow. Most likely an election in a week or so, right? Uh, it's crazy days that we live in. And I just want to take a, a quick moment just to touch on what is the response of the church in the midst of all the tension. Biblical word would be strife. The fighting, the flexing, the unfriending that's going on. What do we do? It is not cliche. We pray. We pray. We're not praying for your candidate to win. We're praying for God's kingdom to prevail. We pray. We pray. We do the Bible. I know as Christians, we, we're to love, honor the word of God. Let's do the Bible, 2 Timothy 2. We pray for those in authority. We honor those in authority. We grow up in our faith. The last time I checked, presidency lasts four years. Four years. We have a kingdom that can never be shaken, that is eternal. Hey, I grew up as a missionary's kid. I've been around the world. Uh, I've seen what other countries are like. Just be honest with you. For everything wrong in our nation, it's still an honor and a privilege in comparison to the world around us. Let's not lose that mindset. Let's not lose that mindset. We got a lot of work to do. God has a plan to change the world. It's not a political system. It's the grace of God and it's the church. So this is not an opportunity for you to flex on somebody online. Grow up. Let's do the work of God's will. And God's plan will prevail. You're an American second. As a believer, you said, I'm kingdom first. I'm kingdom first. What an opportunity for us. Let's pray. Let's vote. I want everybody voting. That's an opportunity and an honor that we have for every one of us. And no matter where it falls, we're not going to gloat. We're not going to attack. We're not going to cry. We're not going to weep. We're not going to get angry. No, no, no. We're going to get active in our faith. God has a plan. It's the church. Last time I checked, politicians should change some laws. But God changes hearts. And that is what we're about. And let there be more kingdom come than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. Frontline faith is the season and the series that we're in. It means that we're the ones on the front lines. We've decided the declaration is we go first. God has positioned your life not to sit in a seat or to watch a sermon online, but he's positioned you for significance wherever you're at. I love this about the grace of God is that even when we made a lot of mistakes from where we've come from, 
He meets us where we're at so that we can get to work on what he wants to do. And there's more to do, I believe, in 2020 than ever before. There's something significant that you're called to do on the front lines of faith. Now, most of us, I've been guilty of this before, we live with reactionary faith. In other words, when we get bad news, then we try to build some faith. When things are going our way, then we try to find God's way. When we have a, maybe a season where we can't see our way through, then we look for a God vision. Then we go looking, after we've exhausted all of our own abilities to try to create the reality we wanted, when that doesn't work, then we turn to faith. Now, I believe that God, I believe that God will use any situation and circumstance to get us closer to him, to get us leaning into him. I don't believe God causes bad things to happen. He's a perfect father that wants to take great care of his kids. But he'll use even difficult seasons to get us to search and to turn to him. But what I know he would rather do, what he would prefer, is not for us to exhaust our own abilities and then find him, but from the very beginning, build our faith. Not wait for it to go wrong, but walk rightly with him now. He wants us to find him before that future need. He wants us to grow from the very beginning. Build your faith in the beginning, not when you need the breakthrough. God wants a faith that's on the front lines and that's on the front foot. That's not backpedaling away from situations trying to find God, but walking into situations already have found him and have grown this thing called faith that's on the inside of you. Well, Pastor Kyle, I don't feel like I'm a faith person. Let me tell you, you are. Every one of us is a faith person. Romans 12 tells us that you're only responsible for the measure of faith that you've been given, but you've been given a measure of faith. Jesus says that the smallest amount of faith, like a mustard seed, can move a mountain. So even with the smallest amount of faith that you might have come in here with, you're still a mountain-moving believer, and God can change the situation and the landscape of our world through a person like you on the front lines. You have faith. Are you letting God build it? Have you decided to go first? God's looking for a faith that goes first. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. But we know he wrote some bangers in Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11 and the beginning of 12. It all flows together as one of the most powerful and poetic and faith-building passages you'll ever read. If you're new to faith, new to church, I encourage you, read it this week with anticipation and excitement. It's like your pump-up song in the gym. Anyone have a pump-up song? Yeah, when I'm ready to go from the 10s to the 15s. I put that song on, and some of my pump-up songs might need to be redeemed at the cross, but it's got a beat, and I can, this is a faith beat in Hebrews 10 and 11 that you can't help but hear and get a little like, mm, in your walk. Your shoulders go back a little bit. And what I love about it is it just begins to name all these, what we would call heroes of faith, hall of fame of faith. But what we find in the scripture is God's not a respecter of a person. What he did for them, he'll do for you. And what he did through them, he can do through you. And so when you read these names that have become like lore to us, you got to realize they were ordinary people that trusted in an extraordinary God. 
And if they did, so can you. Hebrews 10, verse 35. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Maybe 2020 feels a little bit like a throwaway year, but it ain't. There's something he wants to do. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance. Maybe not our two favorite words together. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. And the writer of Hebrews throws in a little Habakkuk. Got a little Habakkuk in your life? Here you go. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. There is one coming, and it says in just a little while. This passage is 2,000 years ago. That's a long little while, but it says Jesus is coming back. And my righteous ones will live by faith. I want to be one of those righteous ones. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not the ones who turn away from God to their own destruction. No, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We're not the ones to turn away. We're the righteous ones. We're the faithful ones. I want to speak for just a moment with the heart of frontline faith. Simple thought is this. Be the one. Be the one. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word that points us to Jesus, points us to grace, and points us in our future of following you to the fullest. I speak faith for every hearer of the word today to not listen, but to learn and to apply what you're saying through your holy scriptures by your Holy Spirit to their heart. Whether they're watching online or in the room, you want to initiate new faith and trust in you to do new things through them like never before. We pray over our nation. We pray peace in Jesus name. We pray the plan of heaven prevails in Jesus name. We thank you for a snow day as a pastor. I thank you for a snow day that's on a Monday. Finally, it's on a Monday and not on a Sunday. In Jesus name. Amen. I mean, for real, it's always the devil is a meteorologist. And even if it doesn't happen, he uses the demonic meteorologist. Just kidding. Okay, moving on. I'm going to take you back 20 plus years to high school Kyle. High school Kyle was even more awkward than current status Kyle. High school Kyle, um, high school Kyle was maybe in need of affirmation a little too much. Again, I grew up missionary's kid. I, I went to 11 different schools growing up. And I remember like every school I went to, like there was an opportunity to be the guy. Like to, to do something to get attention or affirmation. Anytime there was a dare, a risk, a bet. Anytime there was someone who had to step into the unknown, I would say, hey, I'll be the one. I'll do what no one else would do. There was a prank to pull. I'll be the one. Again, I don't know what deep-seated insecurity might have been inside of me back then, but I was willing to do what someone else wouldn't to gain the attention of being the one who went first. Jump off a cliff into the lake. I'll be the one. I remember one particular night. Uh, we were like hanging out in a parking lot, which when you do it, when you live in Oklahoma, there's like nothing to do, so you hang out in a parking lot. And someone dared us to like jump over a car. 
like fender to fender over the hood. And for whatever reason, I had done it before. And so I like, I can do it again. And everyone was circling around it. Let me just tell you about poor little Emily Lancaster. Emily, if you're watching, I'm still sorry. Because I got a little bit of a back pedal. I got a little bit of momentum. I believed I could fly, spread my wings and touch the sky. I dream about it every, no, anyway. All I remember was rolling over the hood, thinking, God, what, what is wrong with my life? I, 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 I didn't have the vertical to clear fender to fender. I put my front toe right in that right fender. Huge, like big dent, rolled over it. I didn't get hurt, but I wish I would have because it might have taken the pain of my father's uh, vengeance a little lesser. $1,200 later, poor little Emily Lancaster's Toyota Corolla was healed. But I thought I could do it. I just said, hey, I'm willing, I'm willing to risk just a little bit. Of course, back then I was foolish. Now, faith isn't foolish. Faith is the wisest thing you can do. Saying, I'll be the one, God, that you can use in this situation. The Bible actually says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So there's a part of your faith that should make no sense to the world around you. That it actually looks like lunacy to trust God at the level that you're trusting him because it's not the culture of the world. But I don't want the reward of the world. I want the reward it talks about in Hebrews 10. Whatever God has for me, I want it to be the reality of my life. He wants to be the reality of your, of your life. Faith life isn't a foolish life, but if you're living on the front lines, it might look foolish to the uninformed and the people around you. And you are a faith person. As first responders in this kingdom life, we've decided that we don't go to church. We are the church. And we're here for a mission and a mandate from heaven that's bigger than we know. And it's not just for a moment of looking foolish. It's for an eternity of changing the world around us. And if we've ever needed the church on the front lines, it's right now. I've had people ask me now more than lately, are we living in the end times? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever think that? Are we living in the end times? And I grew up like super church. I remember Jesus was coming back every calendar year and some one person knew why. It'd be like eight reasons why Jesus is returning in 1988. That was a real thing. Let me just hearken some of you back to a year or two ago when the blood moons were a sign of the end times. The blood moons have come and gone and we are still here. I do not know when the end times will happen and neither do you or someone preaching to you on television. They don't know. According to my Bible, Jesus doesn't know. That it's something that God has hidden even from the sun. That only God knows when it's going to happen. So if you think somebody knows, they do not they do not know, but Jesus does give us what he calls the signs of the times. He gives us what it's going to look like when he's about ready to show back up. It's in a, 
a passage only found really in Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus is talking about what does the world look like before the end of the world? And I want to pull out one little line. You can read the rest for yourself to just set the table for what I want to say in the next 16 minutes. Can I get 19 minutes in Jesus' name? Matthew 24, verse 37. Jesus says this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming or the return of the Son of Man. And Noah's who I want to highlight as one that says, I'll go ahead and go. I'll be the one. Noah was the one on the whole earth that was walking right with God. That's what we would call righteous. He was righteous in God's sight. And Noah's faith looked a little foolish. It looks a little foolish now. How do you think it looked all the way back then when no one else was walking with God? Hebrews 11, I love this from the the Passion Translation, says, faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. Now, when you're thinking about that, you're just thinking about what we know about Noah. We know there's a flood. There's an ark and there's a flood. But what the real story about Noah is, is Noah is actually the redeemer of humanity. Noah's righteousness is actually the redemption story of God doing a new thing. God getting back to his intended purpose. So we had a heart that was opened by faith to hear from heaven and obey so that God's plan could prevail. We need opened hearts. Some of you closed hearts off to faith. Close hearts off to God vision. Close hearts off to what God is wanting to say and what God's wanting to do. But if you're like that, you will not see the reward or the blessing or the breakthrough or the salvation that is secured through having an open heart of faith. I love how the message paraphrase says the same exact passage. It says, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. I mean, it looked foolish back then. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate. He was close with God. Now Noah's story, I think we all know it, whether you grew up in church or not. There's an ark, there's a flood, there's animals. Two by two, they're coming through. Like we know this story. Some believers would say this is an allegorical story. Some would say it's an actual story. I'm on the actual side, just so you know. I believe if it's in God's word, it's reality. I'm going to believe it. I'm never trying to fit the bigness of God's plan and power into the smallness of my mind. I want to trust him with the fullness of my heart. I encourage you to do the same, to be a person that believes the word of God. But here's what we know about Noah is that he walked with God. And when God asked him of something that seemed like lunacy, he had the tenacity or the faith to say, I'll be the one. I'll go ahead and do what you're asking of me. His story is found in Genesis 6 and 7. It says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. In other words, everything was going wrong. And all the inclinations of a man's heart, all of the thoughts of man were just evil at that time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And his heart, God's heart, was filled with pain. Think about that. I think when God sees the earth today and people today, he's got pain in his heart. Because it's gone so wrong. Now, unlike our reality, that story back then, God's going to do like a divine reboot. 
You know, you turn off your iPhone to get it to work again. You do the hard reset and then you plug it in and you wipe the thing clean and start fresh and new. And God says, I need to start fresh and new, but I'm looking for one person of faith to be the one I can start the new through. Guess what? Because of the cross, God is not raining down judgment anymore. He's raining down grace and mercy, but he's still looking for the ones. He's still looking for some ones, some people of faith to do the new through, to bring the breakthrough through, to do the redemptive work of God through. And I believe he's going to find us right here and now saying, okay, I'll go ahead and be the one. Verse eight says, I was grieved that I made him, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God didn't like what he saw except for one. And God said, I can restart everything through one. Maybe you're the only one in your family. Maybe you're the only one on your block. Maybe you're the only one in your workplace or in your school. Maybe you're the only one, but when God sees a one, he knows his work can begin. He knows something new has begun. He knows he can start over if he gets just one that will believe. And let me tell you right here and now something we believe adamantly with our whole hearts at Hillsong, Kansas City. Every single one of you are a one. And every single one of you have a unique calling and purpose under heaven, not based upon your past performance, not based upon your education or your pedigree. You are a one. Only you are the one that can reach that family. Only you are the one that can encourage that person. You are the one God has been looking for. And if we want the world to change, we've got to say yes to being the one. You have something unique to offer. And you're the one God's looking for. Genesis 7 the Lord then, after the completion of the ark, we'll look more at that more in a moment. He says, go into the ark, and you and your whole family are getting in and getting on to what I want to do, because I found you righteous in this generation. Can I challenge you this? Why don't you write this down? Be the one that lives to save lives. Be the one that lives to save the lives of others. Be the one that lives your life for what matters the most. Be that one God can use to do the eternal. Normally, we come to God with that one thing we need. Normally, our prayer life consists and circles and orbits around that one thing we're holding on for. But if you would instead begin to change your prayers to saying, God, instead of this one thing I need from you, what do you need from me? What's the one thing I can do today? Who's the one I can be right now so that your plan can come to a reality, not just my plan? Be the one that lives to save the lives of others. Second Timothy 2, verse 5, I love this. It says Noah had two jobs. It says that God protected Noah and calls him a preacher of righteousness and his family, the seven others. I love that. It means that he wasn't just building the ark in the middle of the desert by himself. His family was there, but it also says he had another job. He preached righteousness. He did two things. He built his future and he proclaimed God's plan. Can I encourage you today? Some of you are only trying to build your life, trying to save yourself, trying to secure your future. 
your prayers orbit around your one desire. But God has another job for you. You're not just called to build life. And I believe by faith, we're going to build great lives, great families, great marriages, great children, and a great future. It gives glory to God. But God also wants you to be a proclaimer of his plan. Not just someone who gets their agenda or plan accomplished, but we proclaim the plan of heaven. In other words, he built by day, he broadcasted God by night. He worked and he brought the word. He secured his future and he served people. It was his mission and it was God's message. The ark in the Old Testament represents what God is doing in the New Testament through the church. It's a place we're building so that people can be saved. It's a place what we're building that rises above the storms so that we can secure the God future in our nation, in our city and the world. It's the church. And so we don't just preach Jesus, we build the future. If there's ever been a year where it's been like, I want to quit on building anything and just bunker down, it's 2020. It's been filled with turmoil. We sang that song, the new thing song. These are the days that we prayed for. And every time I'm singing that, I'm like, I did not pray for these days. That's a 100% faith song right there for me right now. I did not pray for this. I did not pray for this. I did not pray for the pain, the injustice, the problems, the animosity, the anger. It's not what I was praying for. But maybe it's what I've been placed for. You find yourself in a plan that you didn't pray for. Maybe it's what God has placed you for. Maybe it's the reason why, by divine providence, you're here now. Not a hundred years ago, not in another nation. You're here in the heart of our nation for such a time as this. I believe when we come to heart for the house season in the next few weeks, I'll lay more about out next week, all the exciting things that we're going to get to do. This is a time to keep building what God is building. Keep proclaiming what God is wanting to say. It is not an offering that we give to. This is a kingdom opportunity of advancing. This doesn't go to the budget. This goes to bringing breakthrough to those in, in, in being held captive and those in addiction. It's there to bring freedom. We have a city to save. We have a mission and a mandate to change the world around us. And God's looking for some ones that can be preachers and apply their work to building. Not just for themselves, not just even for their own family, but for the God future, what he's wanting to do. The Bible tells us that Noah built for 120 years. How many know that is a long job? 120 years. You thought 40 hours. My micro, there we go. You thought 40 hours is a long work week. How about 120 years? Like, I'm just going to go work on this one thing God's asked me to do for 120 years. This is why you have to have a God vision for your life and you have to be the one that lives for the God vision. You need a bigger vision than just what God can do for you. You need a vision of what God wants to do through you. I remember as we built out both of our campuses, both of our facilities, I remember walking people through it the very first time. I remember walking people here in the north location and it was like the Beigeous, not bougiest, the beigeous office you've ever seen. It was the most like normal, boring, basic building. And yet, honestly, in Liz and I's heart, we saw this. We saw a house of hope. 
we saw a kid's space. And it took people a while. Like people walked through and it was like, they could see the, you know, the office desk and the, the water cooler and the beige. Did I mention there was beige? But we saw like a vibrant community of faith where hearts were being transformed and lives were being changed and a new generation of world changers was being raised up. But it's amazing because it wasn't until like people got the renderings you know the renderings it's like a picture of what it's going to look like you work with the architect and the designer and they even photoshop a couple of you know people in there and when the people begin to see that something began to click i remember the the plaza location it used to be a furniture store an upholstery store and we walked in to the lower level where hillsong kids is now we just completely redone it on that location by the way thank you for your generosity it's amazing and when we were down there at first there was like a sawmill and sawdust up to your thighs and it looked like a dungeon and I'd be like come on this is where we're gonna have Hillsong kids this is where kids are gonna be forever changed and people are like this is a dungeon I was like it's a fungeon it's a fun dungeon it's gonna be they're gonna play on the saws but it wasn't until they got the rendering a little picture Honestly, it wasn't until they got the rendering until the generosity flowed. It wasn't until they got the rendering until they began to pray and believe God with us for it. It wasn't until they got the rendering until they got excited about it, began to tell their friends about what God was doing in their church. Hebrews 10 and 11 is a rendering for you. It's ordinary, everyday people. We call them heroes, but God just called them righteous and faithful. That said, I'll be the one. I'll be an Esther. I'll be a Moses. I'll be a Noah. I'll be an Abraham. I'll be the one. The normal people that trusted in an abnormal plan and got to work when no one else would. And God showed up and secured a God future for them. And he wants to do the same through you and through me. You got to get it in your heart before it happens. And you got to get to work even before you see it. 120 years. Can I tell you, if you haven't seen it yet, keep building. You haven't seen the breakthrough yet? Keep building. You haven't seen your family saved? Keep building. You haven't seen the restoration in your relationships? Keep building. If you haven't seen the healing yet, keep believing. Keep building. It might take some time, but God does his greatest work when we choose to get to work. It's amazing to me in the story that God doesn't ask Noah at all how he feels about the plan. That's why we have to write this down. We gotta be the one that follows before you feel it. You gotta learn to follow before you feel it. You gotta have such a big God vision, a big God vision for your life, for our church, for the future, for for all that God has for you that you cannot live off your feelings. Since if you live off your feelings, you will be so frustrated, you will quit. Faith isn't what you see, it's what you do. And as believers, we keep building for a God future even when we don't see it. Said in Hebrews 11, that faith opened Noah's heart. God still, like God just said one thing to him and he built 120 years off of one word from God. Some of us want to give up after one week of not seeing breakthrough. That is not who you are. That might have been who you used to be. But be the one that doesn't quit. Be the one that keeps believing. Be the one that keeps securing, keeps stepping, keep even grinding it out on every day. It doesn't say that God showed up every day and spoke to, to Noah. It said they gave him a word, it gave him an audible blueprint, and he just got to work for over a 
century. Can you imagine the story? God says like, hey, the shot clock is out on this situation. He says something, I want you to do this, something you've never done before because I want to do something I've never done before. That's faith. I need you to do something inconvenient and be consistent. I need you to not quit. I need you to keep going. I need you to do something you've never done before because I want to do something I've never done before. It's like there's going to be, I need you to build a boat. All right, great. I need you to build it 100 miles from the nearest sea or ocean. Okay, why? It's going to flood. Noah's like, what's a flood? Well, it's going to rain. Noah's like, what's rain? The Bible tells us that I don't know how this works. Some people say there was like a marine layer over the earth. The, it, the, the, the ground and the crops were watered from like a land swell. The water came up from the earth. So it never happened before. It was building, believing, consistent, and faithful for something you never even seen or heard of before. And yet he kept going. What does it say? It says, before I used to water the ground from down up, but now I'm about ready to turn upside down. God was wanting to turn the whole system of the world right side up, righteous up. God wanted to flip everything on its head. Can I tell you, Hillsong Church today, he still wants to do the same work. He's not going to rain down justice. No, he's raining grace. He's raining mercy. But he wants to flip this broken world right side up. And he's looking for some ones like Noah that will listen, that will obey, that will walk it out, that will do something they've never done before so God can do something that's never been done before. And I just happen to believe, maybe it's an audacious faith this morning, that I'm speaking to at least a few ones that will say, God, if you want to do it, God, if you're saying it. God, if this is your plan, I'm already in. I'll go 120 years of faithfulness so that I can see the reality of heaven become the normal of my earth, become the reality of my day to day. There are lives to change. There are souls to reach. There's people in addiction that need breakthrough. There's family members that are going to come to faith. There's a world to change. The world has gone so wrong, but God's right up to something great. And he's decided to use you from the very beginning, right where you're at. And he wants to speak new faith, new life, fresh obedience and consistency and longevity to make it that reality that he desires. God wants to do something that's never been done. You can stay standing. We're almost done. There's something about faith that just needs to stay persistent. I know so many of our plans have been rocked in 2020, changed in 2020, maybe even given up on in 2020. But I want to encourage you, it has not worked like you thought it would look. It's not been like you thought it has been. But what is faith, Hebrews 11? It's a confidence. It's an assurance that that which we have hoped for is going to happen. It's an evidence on the inside of things that we haven't seen ever on the outside. And if your answer, because God always answers prayers, sometimes the answer is yes. And when he does that, I'm like, heck yes. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes the answer is no. 
oftentimes his answer is not yet. And I think some of you, you think God has said no, but he's actually said not yet. And he's actually wanting to know what will you do in the meantime? How will you trust me when it's not? How will you keep obeying in 2020? How do you keep walking in generosity? How do you keep forgiving? How do you keep loving? How do you keep preaching righteousness? How do you keep living for me when it is no longer fun and it isn't fresh anymore? Will you keep going? It says in Hebrews 11, they were all commended for their faith. None of them received what had been promised yet because God had planned something better. Can I tell you, if you feel like you're in a bad season and you feel like God has said no, I believe more often than not, God has actually said not yet. And he's actually preparing your heart for the better that he wants to do. It says in 2 Chronicles, God's eyes are looking on the earth, looking for someone, anyone, you, the one, that can show himself strong. Not looking for the strong to make them stronger. He's looking for the loyal, the faithful, the hope-filled. He's looking for the ones that won't give up when it's inconvenient. He's looking for you. You're looking for the one, and it's you, to show himself strong on your behalf. In Matthew 9, Jesus says, because of your faith, it will happen. Of course, in context, he's speaking of one healing, but I love that thought. What will happen? What's the it that will happen because of my faith? What's the it that will happen because of your faith? What's the it that will happen because of your obedience? What's the it that will happen because you believed again? What's the it of salvation for someone else that's secured because you chose to believe? We're going to worship God, and I believe that you're going to answer the call today to be the one God's called you to be, not tomorrow, not when you come up against this storm, but right here, right now, for the plan of heaven to prevail here on the earth. What's the it of breakthrough, the it of, of radical life change that will happen because of your faith. Father God, we thank you that you are so good and faithful. And even when we can't see your goodness, we can't see your faithfulness, we still believe because you're the one that's done it all for us. You're the one that's secured our salvation. You're the one that's given us a destiny and a purpose. You're the one that's coming again. And we believe in the meantime, we're going to grab a hold of a fresh God vision for our life, for our family, for our future, to be builders of your plan, not just trying to get you to bless our plan. Lord, we thank you that the agenda of heaven will become the reality of our life. I thank you fresh faith, fresh hope, fresh excitement, fresh passion for your great purpose is being birthed again, restored again in the heart of every hero today. In Jesus' mighty name, let's worship together.